Welcome to the WMKT Week in Review. Joining us on the show today is Jonathan Scheel, a Republican candidate for the House 107th District. So, Jonathan, thank you for being with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Of course. Uh, so I like to start off the show by allowing the audience to get to know who I'm interviewing. So could you give like a little personal history and what your background is that makes you a strong candidate? Sure. So uh, Jonathan Scheel, I have lived in the Petoskey area for 25 years. I was a former uh, county commissioner for Emmett County. I was president of the Concord Academy School Board. I was treasurer of the local United Way. And I was vice president of the Emmett County uh, Friendship Center. I spent my early career as a union apprentice carpenter, uh, graduated up to supervising and management, worked for, more recently worked for a uh, both local nonprofit building housing units and a private contract uh, developer building units. So we've built uh, over uh, 200 units um, in northern Michigan. Uh, more recently, I work for Networks Northwest, which is a quasi-public-private uh, uh, unit of, it's not really a unit of government, I apologize, but it is a uh, cover, it covers 10 counties. Uh, I am contracted to the city of Charlevoix and the city of East Jordan as a planner and zoning administrator. What caused you to get involved in public service? So I come from a long line of, of public service in my family. My father had similar uh, elected uh, positions, uh, brother, uncle. We believe in uh, community service. And the best way for community service is getting involved. As I just stated before, um, my involvement in very local uh, units of, of government and, and nonprofits. Uh, and my time as county commissioner, I felt I, could, I did some very good things for the community. This is really the next step of, of that career. What issue are you most passionate about? I would say local control. Uh, at my time at the cities and and townships, I saw where the state can absolutely give us things that uh, really help, but they also take away. And and I really zero in on when the state government thinks they know what's better and what's best for our local cities, townships, and villages. Sure. Is there like a particular issue that you have in mind that you think that may be getting mismanaged by a larger government that could be solved better by local government? So, so there's, there's a few things I can point to. The most recent issue was short-term rentals, where the state seems to uh, think they know better that of how many units uh, of short-term rentals can be in a city, uh, which by the way, is incredibly high number of how that can change your neighborhoods, businesses, um, really right in your single-family neighborhoods. Uh, there, there's also um, 
gas and oil restrictions uh, that local governments uh, really can't do anything about uh, facilities in different neighborhoods. Uh, Mining operations uh, is one that's also more recent that they continually try to take that right away and think they know better than local governments. Sure. We kind of already started dancing around it just a little bit. So affordable housing is in near crisis mode in northern Michigan. What What is the solution that you would have for that? So I have actually a, a long career in housing, not only developing them with the nonprofits and, and public uh, for-profit, uh, private for-profit, uh, I also have most recently been um, writing ordinances in both the city of East Jordan and Charlevoix, attempting to uh, maximize what we can get into our neighborhoods in fill without negatively affecting our our communities. And, and so uh, at, at a minimum, I believe... Uh, Helping local governments figure out ordinances and 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 lessening the rules to allow uh, second units on property, um, multi-family, smaller multi-family units in neighborhoods. I go back to looking at uh, turn of the century when our neighborhoods were very different, but uh, we had not straight single-family home neighborhoods. And you, you go through a town like Petoskey or Charlevoix, um, Sault, Sault Ste. Marie, any, anything like that, and you notice that we used to have um, uh, small apartment complexes in single-family areas. We had duplexes on corners. We had um, uh, housing above uh, businesses. I think all of that can incrementally help our our uh, communities, and and it is things that aren't new. It's it's things that we take for granted exist today, and and so I think that at a minimum to help uh, our smaller communities um, with with professional planners and things like that could could make a difference. Sure. So you've already talked about in the short term rental problem. As a Republican, one of the Republicans uh, leading ideas is protecting rights, protecting property rights. So how do you balance protecting uh, private citizens' property rights, but also easing the burden of the rising rent due to a lack of affordable housing? Uh, very good question. So I am a very much a private property right uh, kind of guy, candidate. Uh, what, what I would say is there are certain rights that um, we have had traditionally in our neighborhoods. And, and so t- taking a business, which is what a short-term rental is, and putting that in the middle of a neighborhood, I, I don't believe are property rights that somebody had um, and, and we're taking them away by, by restricting that. So, so I'm I- into managing this type of thing, not, not, Completely denying it, not giving it carte blanche, but but there, there's a middle road where where people can um, have some rentals and and be in the neighborhoods, but under a regulation. You know, we have zoning. We've had zoning since um, 
early 1900s. And, and so it really is no, it, it's, it's not different. And, and I believe, um, the, the, the short-term rental, uh, uh, the hard, the people hard pushing for short-term rentals want to deny that zoning exists and we've had that. So these people who have bought al- already um, had those restrictions. And so in a town like Charlevoix, we absolutely open it up. We, we are just regulating it in the single family residential zone. It is still free for anyone in any other district. So we're not shutting it down. Just like zoning, we're putting it in places that I, I believe are proper and and will not negatively affect our community. And that goes back to that local control. Sure. There there some towns are going to be a little different and and want to treat it differently. Um and, and others will treat it everyone according right. to their needs sort of thing. Absolutely. Sure. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Jonathan Scheel, a candidate for the House 107th District. Glenn Beck. I want to play something from Kid Rock. The elites have no idea where people actually live and what they're feeling. But if you listen to the lyrics, it is all about big tech, big government, all of the people that you sense. Something's not right. What you're sensing is the Great Reset. And they really don't think that people are onto them. Your friends may not know what it's called, but they've heard Build Back Better, but they don't know what that is. But they sense something isn't right. The Glenn Beck Program. On WMKT. Hi, it's Nick Rudy from Triple Talk WMKT. Looking for reliable local news? You'll find it here on WMKT. Join me weekday mornings from 6 to noon for sports scores, up-to-date weather forecasts, and local news that matters most for Petoskey, Charlevoix, Traverse City, and all of Northern Michigan. Bringing you the information that matters most. Triple Talk, 1023 and 1033 FM and 1270 AM WMKT. Welcome back to the WMKT Special Edition Interviews. We are with Jonathan Scheel, a candidate for the House 107th District. So you'll be covering the uh, Straits area if elected to the 107th. And Line 5 has obviously been a fairly hot button issue, and it's starting to heat up again with the tunnel being discussed, permitting um, being applied for by Enbridge. What are you thinking the best steps are for moving forward for Line 5? Are you a supporter of the tunnel? Do you want it out of the straits completely? Are you good with what is just the line under uh, the water for right now? Or what, what do you think is the best step? So, uh, so I believe the, the tunnel is a good compromise. Uh, I believe that uh, we need that oil and gas, that it is important to the UP and, and the jobs and things that go with it. I, I believe that we need to go farther than just under uh, using the most modern technology and best engineering to go under uh, the straits, though. I, be- I believe there's many other river crossings and other potential places of, of trouble that we also need to look at. I believe Embridge doesn't have a stellar reputation uh, and... and uh, Again, I believe it is government's role for health and safety. This is a health and safety issue. Um, it doesn't have to be yes or no. There's there's a middle ground, but we need to protect our environment. We need to protect Michiganders. Sure. 
because it's a, it's a huge aspect of our tourism, you know, as well. So that's you always have to look at it in that way. Uh, absolutely. Sure. So another topic that's very hot button topic that applies even now to Michigan. Uh, abortion is starting to heat up again in the Supreme Court. Searing Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. Uh, if the court sides with Dobbs, it would be in essence overturning Roe v. Wade. Michigan has an abortion ban on the books from 1933, which would likely be reinstated. Uh, there's already politicians for governor or the AG who are already coming out and deciding which side that they would take. Uh, what is your position? So uh, I believe there are radical pro-abortion proposals out there. And, and again, this is not a either or. But I am pro-family. I am pro-right uh, to life. And, and I am going to lean heavily in that direction. I, I believe there um, uh, may be room for uh, uh, when the woman is life is in danger, but that is probably as far as it goes. Sure. I, and I, I'm not completely up. I, I did read the code. I didn't make it all the way to the end. I think that is already in the law. I think it's uh, if the life of the mother is in danger, um, there are exceptions for that. So we might have already covered it, but what, in your opinion, is the biggest problem facing Northern Michigan? So, so I, I believe there is a, a bunch of smaller problems sure. that incrementally are, are, and we, we talked about local control. Um, what we haven't talked about is, is population-based uh, funding. And, and I believe we uh, get short-shrifted up in northern Michigan, and if I'm down in Lansing, I think it's important that we are recognized as a incredibly important part of the state, and and our economy uh, is beneficial for the entire state. So um, I, I believe I've seen a couple of things more recently that has helped uh, fund uh, us more appropriately, but I believe we're not there yet. Sure. As you might know, one of your competitors is 22-year-old Parker Fairburn from Harvest Springs. Do you like seeing young people interested in politics, or do you think they should be waiting till they're older, or is there kind of a bit of a mix there? So, so I think uh, any age is wonderful to be part of politics, and it is great that a young man such as Parker uh, is getting involved. Uh, we need future leaders, and the experience he gets whether winning or losing is going to be beneficial for not only him but uh, the state in in general when we have a leadership that has experience. Sure. And so, what would you say? I, again, we might have touched it already, but what is your campaign pitch? What are your um, what are the main qualifications that you have that would make you the best fit? of all the candidates in the field. Thank you. So, so my qualifications of being a county commissioner, no, and, and county government is very different than others. County government is a gigantically a pass-through uh, funding government. So we were, uh, so I, I am uniquely, uh, can, can look at what the state uh, funds, um, what they tell us we need to do with those funds. 
Um, I've been at the cities and the administrative side, villages, townships. Uh, I understand uh, the budgets. I've worked with million, multi-million dollar budgets and smaller budgets of our local government. Um, on a day-to-day basis, I saw what laws and rules do to us locally. And so I believe that experience will help me jumpstart down in, in Lansing, whereas someone without that resume, um, it will take a while. You have you know, more than 100 other representatives that you have to somehow outshine if you want to get things done, at least at the beginning. And so uh, I, I believe for those reasons, my resume especially is uh, both not only public service, but again, private service is uh, having my own business in the past, um, contracting and other things gives me a unique uh, view of what our needs are, are here in northern Michigan. Sure. Um, so you mentioned that it's a bit of a crowded area downstate and that when you go down to Lansing, you kind of have to fight for the rights of northern Michigan people because we only have so many. We only have a handful of representatives in the House. And... There are tons of them in downstate. How would you go about representing Northern Michigan and getting things done for our community as a whole? Um, how, how do you plan on doing that when there is it's very weightedly shifted towards the uh, the lower portion of the state? Sure, I, I think uh, combining my energy with other representatives with similar economies, so the whole the whole west side of the state. Um, by sharing my concerns with other uh, districts that have small cities, small towns, um, with, again, similar concerns. Uh, I, I believe we can get together and, and use the strength of numbers to, to get things done. Um, I, was, I believe I've been fairly successful in my career um, getting together with folks to get things done. I'm a giant believer in regionalism I believe and that's especially what I would be doing up here is um, a, a region up here is what it takes to get things done individually our cities and villages by themselves um, uh, do have that problem of standing out with their concerns but regionally um, and in this case reg- regionally it means um, all our north northern Michigan, um, districts and and again going down uh, the west side of the state that type of thing. Sure, election fraud has been an issue on the forefront of a lot of people's minds, uh, both parties, frankly. How do you, as a prospective elected official, plan? What can what can you and your fellow legislators do to regain the trust of constituents when it comes to elections? So I, I believe uh, to start out with training of our clerks. Uh, to make sure that unintended mistakes aren't happening, which uh, affect our elections. I believe that um, a carte blanche of sending out uh, uh, ballots uh, without under request is problematic. Uh, I believe that we can... Uh, oversee and tighten up rules to have a more firm handle on uh, legitimate elections. Sure. I was researching 
uh, for this interview on your website. You had mentioned uh, internet access, I believe. And that can kind of couple with the labor shortage. I was reading an article how that a lot of work from home jobs are removing people from the labor market, like the employment uh, field in Northern Michigan. And so they are able to take jobs that pay up to $40,000 more than what they're offered up from people who like from businesses that are actually built and owned and operated in Northern Michigan because they're taking jobs on the coast. So th those, are, those slightly go hand in hand that it, yes, that people need to have internet access in Northern Michigan, but also that would give them a wider opportunity to get uh, remote jobs. And so how do you balance those two things that yes, people need internet access, but also not wanting to create more problems for uh, employers trying to hire. I mean, like the hospital has, I think, 100 open positions, and that's obviously a much needed industry, you know, for any community. So, so I believe the internet access is incredibly important for uh, right now day-to-day -day lives of our citizens. Um, and you spoke of one uh, of, of jobs and and being able to take remote jobs. Um, and so that's one portion of it. So, so I'm very strong believer in in internet access for all parts of uh, the district. Um, with that said, you know the. Two, two things that are stand out to me on jobs. And the first one we've talked about, but is housing. And we need uh, to figure out how to get more housing. Uh, and, and I believe there's government-private uh, partnerships that can happen. I don't believe that the government should be getting into the business of housing, but I think they should be in the business of, of partnerships and, again, making rules to get out of the way. Um, I believe heavily in in training for our uh, construction workers. I believe we have spent uh, numerous decades uh, demonizing uh, our workers uh, in the construction uh, business and and sending people to, uh, to college, thinking that's um, what what is was going to keep our economy going. I think that's proven wrong. And so I believe that we, again, should help our local colleges and, and schools uh, train construction workers uh, in order to fill that need. Not a whole lot we can do with land prices, things like that now, but I think if we, uh, I believe it's workers and housing that are probably our biggest issue with that. Sure. You were mentioning construction. And so just asking the age-old question just kind of seems appropriate. The roads, the roads in northern Michigan especially are horrible. What would you propose to do about that? So the you know, legislature has spent so much time on roads and, and claiming the, the fixes. Um, you know, I think we have seen uh, some better roads in more recently, but I, I don't think uh, we're there yet. This goes back to... Um, our funding discussion a minute ago on Northern Michigan getting short shrifted. Uh, I believe we should hold our road builders to higher standards. Uh, I think we all can say we've been on roads that have been built last year and are already failing. And it seems like um, our, our government can't do anything about that. I don't know any private industry where they would um, let that happen. So uh, I, I think that um, I, I'm also uh, on uh, new roads, things like that. Um, 
uh, under the impression that uh, some of our standards, so, so we have, I think, really uh, intense standards on widths and curve ratio and things like that that aren't necessarily appropriate in some areas. So I, I think that that can be lessened on a variance type way or, um, again, locally, if people believe that if the local government believes a road doesn't have to be 66 foot wide and, and uh, four inches thick and, and this type of thing, that they would have that ability to change that. Um, but but uh, to repeat myself, I think holding our, our uh, contractors to higher standards uh, to, to make sure that the roads last uh, a number of years uh, I bel- and um, uh, funding, make sure we get that appropriate funding, uh, not based on population, but based on need. On, on my recent trip up to Sault Ste. Marie um, on 75, you know, there's a couple bridges up there that are just scary looking, a couple of older uh, metal steel br- bridges. And this is, uh, you know, a major way from Canada into our state. And so it's a really, really important road. And to leave, uh, you know, why is that not happening? Uh, you know, we hear lots of things out of Lansing now of, of the money and the bridges being fixed, but it worries me of of where that money is going. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned yeah, the other the roads like built a year ago are already going bad. I, I've noticed like I was like, didn't that road just get built? Like even in Petoskey, there's a couple of just have like really big cracks. I was just like, gosh, this is this is not working. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Jonathan Scheel, a candidate for the House 107th District. buys cars. Heard the news? Your used vehicle has never been worth more. And Mo Money Maurice is ready to buy. At Brown Motors of Petoskey, Brown buys cars. Your used car, truck, or SUV could be worth 40, even 50% more than a year ago. And nobody pays you more than Brown Motors used car manager, Mo Money Maurice. Brown buys cars. Get your used vehicle off the side of the road, out of the garage or pole barn, and get it sold with Brown Motors of Petoskey and Mo Money Maurice. Drive it onto the lot. Get paid on the spot today at Brown Motors of Petoskey. Brown buys cars. That's right. Drive onto the lot. Get paid on the spot with Mo Money Maurice at the dealership giving you top dollar for your used vehicle. Just ask for Maurice at Brown Motors of Petoskey. Brown buys cars with Mo Money Maurice. Welcome back to the WMKT Special Edition Interviews. We are with Jonathan Scheel, a candidate for the House 107th District. So you talked a lot about and put an emphasis on uh, local government over larger governments. It's a very red district. They were not pleased with how the pandemic was handled. How would you as an elected official or working with other elected officials to make sure that bureaucrats aren't able to shut down the state again? Very, very good and important question. So that is exactly what I saw, is unelected bureaucrats with um, questionable uh, background were, were able to 
shut down our businesses, um, putting many, many businesses out of business forever. Um, it has changed our downtowns of, of all our cities where there were great businesses that are no longer there and, and throughout uh, the district. Uh, I, I believe in personal rights. I, I believe in um, uh, that under certain circumstances that, uh, again, government can be uh, there for health and safety. But questionable, uh, questionable results, questionable science, um, I, I believe uh, our government right now is mishandling um, and has mishandled this. Uh, and I also question our legislature right now, which is Republican, mm-hmm. of, of not doing more of sitting back and, and letting a lot of this happen. So if I had been there, I think I would have been a very loud voice in pushing back on on what how this pandemic was handled. Sure. There's a topic that is actually brought up by the current 107th uh, Representative John DeMoose that he's starting to work on that it's not always been a Republican issue, or even if, if it ever has been, it was a little bit more on the back burner, mental health. He's been working on that. That's something that has been multiplied by the pandemic. Everyone having to be stuck inside, losing their jobs, you know, losing their businesses, as you just mentioned, due to everything closing down. Uh, how would you go about uh, working with other Republicans on an issue that may not be as prominent on the Republican platform, but is arguably something that needs to be taken care of after the government just you know, shut everything down? So uh, me- mental health is a serious issue, and it affects uh, us in many ways. Uh, crime, I think, is, is uh, there's a gigantic problem, me- mental health. And I believe our jails are being used as mental health holding facilities now more than um, our a couple of uh, places, uh, Alpena being one. Um, there is no local a place that someone with mental health health issues can go to. So uh, it it is, uh, I, I think, part of violence, the violence that we're having in our schools. Uh, uh, there is homelessness, uh, I think a huge homeless problem because of mental health issues. Uh, you know, back, uh, I'm old enough that back in the 70s, we had we were probably institutionalizing way too many and that pendulum swung from um, institutionalizing almost no one and putting them out to the streets. And so I think we have to find a balance there of, of where we have mental health uh, for dollars to help. And, and, and I believe those dollars will be saved by again, less crime, less homelessness, um, I, I believe a lot of things government is doing is um, working on the symptoms and and not the uh, really cause. And I and I believe mental health is is a cause. So I believe it's a um, shouldn't be a partisan issue. And uh, w- work with my Republican colleagues, but also across the fence to the Democrats. Sure, this might be a bit of a broad question, but. There's just so many avenues that you could go down. Uh, so marijuana is just starting to take off um, in the state of Michigan and even locally. I mean, I, I hear stuff all the time about like the city of Gaylord or Petoskey 
having to meet in the city council and discuss it about what's going to be allowed, what's not going to be allowed? How would you as a state representative like to see that handled? So I, I believe that the state laws right now are, for the most part, sufficient. Uh, I, I think that uh, they're, I'm actually fairly knowledgeable. I have written ordinances for that for the city of East Jordan that they are contemplating right now. So I've researched it heavily. Um, uh, again, it is uh, locally what you um, would like to see in your community. I believe there's absolute health benefits. So the medical marijuana uh, uh, provisioning centers, I think, are um, needed and and could be welcome in communities. Um, the communities themselves should be able to put them where they see fit and have them or not have them. But but overall, I think the, the regulation, they are very, very, very heavily regulated. I think that um, there isn't evidence of more criminal activity, crime, um, in the communities that have them. Uh, and, and so I think there's a place for them where local communities want them. Sure. So it is very, it, I'm not seeking to get your opinion necessarily on like the legal aspect of it at all, but it, it will probably play into this election and I wanted to get your take on it. The Lee Chatfield situation, um, how would you go about putting voters' minds at ease? Because you would have to admit that it will probably take some sort of effect on the election. Um, based on party lines. How would you put voters' minds at ease? And then beyond that, how can elected officials, because they see this, citizens see this way too many times happen in government. How would you put citizens' mind at ease about it? And how would you regain the trust of constituents? So so help help me with that question a little bit. Sure. With- so I, I think people are sick of a lot of, representatives it is still a minority but going around and not doing good things with their time in office mishandling their personal life or he's also accused of mishandling finances you you kind of see it in the news more a lot they usually report it on like the people who are in the federal government but it still happens a fair portion of time in local and state government there's something happens someone resigns in disgrace or a news report comes out and i think how do people regain? How do you how do you regain the trust of constituents? Basically, sure, that helps me. Thank you. Uh, so, so uh, uh, under uh, with with Chatfield himself, um, you know he there there's a point of of innocent until guilty, but he has admitted um, through his lawyer uh, s- certain minimum inappropriate things, but um, you know uh, uh, immoral or ethical issues for sure. Uh, so for me personally, I, I believe people can look at my resume of public service and it has been going on for years and years. They can look at my, and I expect them to, to look at my private life. And, and I think the, uh, voters out there need to do that. And they, and they, um, it's tough, but I think voters need to get engaged with who they're voting for and uh, you know, there's always going to be bad apples. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things my f- father ta- 
taught me was that no matter you know what position you have, no matter what career, no matter who you are, there's good people and bad people, and and so we're going to see that. So uh, again, I would press voters to look carefully at candidates at at all levels of of the ballot, and and do their best to um, make sure that they have confidence in them. Sure. I talk to a variety of elected officials, and you always see, I mean, obviously, as an elected official, you always want to talk up your area, and generally they, they do like their area, but there's a special passion by people in northern Michigan the representatives have for their own area. So what what makes the 107 so special to you? So, so, so I think our summers can prove how special uh, northern Michigan is. And, uh, and, you know, in a, a city like Charlevoix, where 70% of the houses are second homes, um, this place uh, is, is so beautiful. It is natural. It, uh, our, our counties have done a fantastic job of, of trail making and, and other uh, things that really people want to come see. And we... Uh, get to live here and see it every day, which, which is, and, and we choose to do that. You know, I have lived in major cities. I've lived out West. Uh, I've lived other places in the Midwest, but I, I have chosen here um, for the last 26 years because of, of just waking up in the morning and feeling the Northern Michigan vibe. It, it is, it is wonderful. So, Obviously, Governor Whitmer is still up for re-election, and you'd have to wait for the results of that, um, for this question necessarily to take place. But Whitmer has stated several times that she will not sign a piece of legislation that does not have bipartisan support. How would you go about handling that? Would you Are you more of, I would like to do stuff that is best for my constituents and hold the line for what they voted for me to do, or would you rather get things done and compromise a little bit with the other side? So thank you. It's not an either, either or question. And, and you stated that at the end, like compromise. And I'm a, I'm a believer in compromise. I think over the last uh, 10 years or more, um, both sides have not been willing to compromise and things aren't getting done. And at some point, there it's better for my constituents to get half um, than nothing. And I, I grew up in a time where um, things seemed to get done at all levels of government, and and I and I miss that. And it wasn't always perfect, um, but things got done. Um, roads got built. Uh, Laws got put into place that overall were better for uh, the the constituents, and and that's how I would look at uh, legislation. Is at the end of the day, is it better for my constituents? May not be everything that my constituents want, but if it's better, I would absolutely move to the center and compromise. Of course. So that's pretty much the end of my questions for you. Um, I always leave end at a time at the end of the show give whoever I'm interviewing the opportunity to promote themselves on social media or direct people to their websites and their campaign and allow them to give a message to the public if they have any. 
So I appreciate that, uh, Nick. If if people would like to know more about my campaign, please go to electjonathanshiel.com. And Shiel is spelt S-C-H-E-E-L. Uh, and, and feel free to reach out to me, look, look at my policies, um, comment, tell me as a uh, citizen of this district what you want to see. I am absolutely going to be open for conversations, and, and without you contacting me, let me know what you believe in. I don't know what all my constituents would want to see. Of course. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, Nick. <laughs>